Okay, Tzoraim Tov, we continue our sixth class in the Haggadah with the Sefer Mas and Nisim from Rav Yaakov of Lisa. We, uh, left off, the last thing we did was Baruch HaMokom, no, we didn't do that either. So we discussed Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. The next area is the four sons, and I'm going to skip that. I'm not minimizing it, but I only have so many classes. And the four sons is not the actual reading of the Haggadah, uh, per se, of the mitzvah of Sipri Yitzhiyus Mitzrayim. The next paragraph of Yochome Rosh Chodesh also is not really from the Sipri Yitzhiyus Mitzrayim. So what really is more of an obligatory part is the next paragraph, Mitchila Ovde Avoda Zara Hayu Avuseinu. In the beginning, our forefathers were idol worshippers. We know the Gemara tells us that we have to part of the telling of the of the Haggadah is Maschal Bignus. We start with denigrating words, so to speak, embarrassing words, but we finish off with Masayim and Bishavach, we end with praise. As a machlokas, exactly what is that? And according to one of the paintings of Gemara, it's this paragraph. So therefore, it becomes an essential part of the Haggadah in relating the story. So let's read what it says. In the beginning, our forefathers worshipped idols. Statement one. Statement two. And now, Hashem has brought us close to his service. Now, before we go on, if I would ask you, give me a proof that our ancestors were idol worshippers. What would you say is the proof? Our ancestors were idol worshippers. Give me an example. Anything that you learned in the Torah. That Abraham, our, Abraham. Avram. Avram is father. Avram's father, Terah. Very good answer. Very good answer. Avram, father, Terah. Any other examples? Let's say going further back. Well, how about the Dor Enosh, the generation of Enosh? They were ancestors of ours. They're all descendants of Shays, right? Uh, the Dor Hamabul. And then, yes, of course, with uh, with uh, Avram's father, Terach. And uh, that was not exactly the greatest thing. And as a matter of fact, you know, it's alluded to in the Torah when they, they left or caused him and Avram got thrown into the fiery furnace because his father was the second in command. So they weren't talking about us in Mitzrayim? No, but originally, mm -hmm. originally we were idol worshippers. Okay. So, uh, L'chaira, we have, we have good proofs to it, don't we? Nothing, nothing said about Bnei Yisrael in the Mitzrayim. But the, again, our ancestors were idol worshippers. What's an ancestor? The whole world was idol worshippers. No, no, no. But Avram, what about Avram? Is he not an ancestor of ours? He wasn't an idol worshipper. And his father is not an ancestor of ours? It's not an ancestor? So I'm saying, is that not a good enough proof? 
If I would ask you, show me a proof that our ancestors were idol worshippers, wouldn't you say that these stories would be a good proof? Okay, so now the problem is, well, let's see what the Haggadah says. The Haggadah quotes the end of Sefer Yehoshua. At the end of Sefer Yehoshua, the 24th chapter, and I've got it out in front of me. I will just paraphrase a little bit of it and get to the part of the Haggadah that's telling us this. Yeshua gathers up all the tribes of Israel in Shechem. He calls to the elders and to the leaders and they all stand before him and he speaks to the people and says, so did Hashem say. He said, in the olden days, your forefathers, Terach, father of Avram, father of Nochor, lived beyond the Euphrates and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Avram from beyond the Euphrates and led him through the whole land of Canaan and multiplied his offspring. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave Esau the hill country of Seir as his possession, while Yaakov and his children went down to Egypt. Now that's straight out of Sefer Yoshua. That's exactly what we have in the Haggadah. Exactly these words are in the Haggadah. Okay? Exactly these words. So why do I have to go to Yehoshua if I could go right to the source itself? Yeah. The Torah tells us what happened. So one answer is, if you want to get with a technical answer, is that, well, it doesn't say it explicitly in the Torah. It's hinted to. Because it says that, that Avram left ur Kazdim. Why do have to say ur Kazdim? Because that's where he got thrown in the fiery furnace. It's not explicit in the Torah. However, but this is the Haggadah. This is not a Chumash. The Haggadah assumes we know all these stories. And therefore, why do we have to go to Sefer Yeshua, even though it's a text, Aren't we aware that there are these, uh, all these midrashim that tell us all this? So we need a deeper answer for this. Okay, that's one thing. And in general, we have to understand what's the whole idea that we start, you know, with with kanus, uh, with disparaging comments, and ending up with shevach. And also, when it says. And now Hashem brought us close to his service. Where do you see that in the text? There's two statements. In the beginning, we were idol worshipers. And then Hashem brought us close to his service. Where do we see that in the text? There's no, it just says, we just brought down that we were, uh, we were, uh, that Yaakov went down to Mitzrayim. That's all they bring. Okay. And let's go on with this statement, Yeshua. There's a lot more difficult things. Let's continue reading on in Yeshua. That's where the Megillah, that's where the Haggadah ends, right there. So then it says, and then I sent Moshe and Aaron and I, and I plagued the Egyptians uh, that I did. And then I took you out. And I took your fathers out of Egypt. You came to the Yamsuf and tells the whole story of Hashem splitting the sea. Okay, then I brought you to the lands of the Amorites who sat on the east bank and you fought with them and I gave them into your hands. You destroyed them. 
Then Balak came along to Bilam to curse out the Jews. And I wouldn't listen to that. And I blessed them instead of cursing you. And then you crossed the Jordan River. You came to Yericho and the miracles that happened there and the seven nations you destroyed. And I sent out plagues ahead to destroy your animal enemies. And it wasn't with your sword, not with your bow. And I gave you a land for which you didn't labor in towns which you did not build and you settled in them. You are enjoying vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. It's all Yeshua is talking to them. And now therefore revere the Lord and serve him with undivided loyalty. Put away the gods that your forefathers served beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Or if you are loath to serve the Lord, Choose this day which ones you are going to serve. The gods that your forefathers served beyond the Euphrates or those of the Amorites? In those lands you are settled. But I and my household will serve the Lord. Is Yeshua talking to them? What's he, what's he saying to them? Is he trying, like he's saying, you know, you better choose. What do you mean you better choose? We've been already fighting for the last 14 years. We're living in the land. What, what's this kind of talk? So the people answer, God forbid that we leave Hashem to serve other gods. Because Hashem is our Lord who took us out of Egypt. He took our forefathers out of Egypt. He did great miracles. He watched us in the way through all the nations we passed. He chased them all away. And we too will serve the Lord for he is our God. <laughs> and then Yeshua is not finished. Yeshua says, to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord. For he is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve alien gods, he will turn and deal harshly with you and make an end of you after having been gracious to you. So he's not, they said, yes, well, no, you're not. <laughs> and finally, the people say, no, we will serve Hashem. <laughs> so what's going on? He says, I already said we will. No, you won't. Okay, we will. <laughs> he says, good. Now you are a witness against yourselves that you have by your own act chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are. They responded. <laughs> then he says, then put away the alien gods that you have among you and direct your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And they said, we'll serve none but the Lord our God and we'll obey none but him. And now on that day, in Shechem, Yeshua made a covenant for the people and made a fixed rule for them, and he wrote it all down, put it on a stone. Very interesting dialogue that's going on over there. What was Yeshua? This is like this is right at the end of his life. What what's what's he doing over here? So the tzaddik explains the following over here. And uh, he says the way we can answer all the questions. It's because really there's another underlying question. It's always there. The tzaddik always says there's always an underlying question <laughs> in all these stories that go down. And what's the most underlying question? What are we thanking for exactly? What are we thanking Hashem exactly for tonight? Please tell me. Taking us out of Egypt. Okay. Let me ask you a question. If a doctor, an orthopedic surgeon, breaks your arm intentionally, and then fixes up and puts it in a cast. Are you going to thank him for fixing your arm? No. Why not? He fixed your arm. 
He said, well, if you wouldn't have broken my arm, I wouldn't need you to fix my arm. Okay, well, who brought us down to Egypt? Who told us to go down to Egypt? God. Who enabled the Egyptians to outsmart us and to entrap us and enslave us? God. Who allowed the Egyptians to brutally torture us for so many years? God. So you know what, God? Thanks, but no thanks. What am I thanking Hashem for? He takes Yaakov down to Egypt, decrees a Golis for no apparent sin that they did, just Yaakov. All the commentaries ask this question. So he answered like this. We know the Talmud says, there are three precious gifts in the world. And Hashem wanted to give us the three most precious gifts in the world. What are the three most precious gifts in the world? Number one is the Torah. Number two is Eretz Yisrael. And number three is Olam Haba. But the Talmud says that those three things can only be acquired through suffering. Why? Because these three items are the most... Uh, pristine, the most um, sublime gifts you can get. These are not just physical gifts. Torah is not just, oh, here's a nice book. You know, I went to a store and here's a beautiful coffee table book I will give you. That's not what the Torah is. The Torah is a piece of God. It's knowledge. Eretz Yisrael is not just a beautiful resort um, country. It's not a land with merely with beautiful fruits and things like this. It's a land where God's presence is felt and Ashkach is felt. And Olam Haba is not just the way the non-Jews look at it, you know, past the pearly gates and you get whatever you want or like the Muslims understand what it is. Olam Haba is a uh, transcendental pleasure of the highest order of feeling connection to Hashem. Now, those three gifts cannot be appreciated on merely a physical level because I could probably find an interesting book to give you, you know, those who, let's say, love the Harry Potter series. I think there were five books in the series. I guess the Hamisha Chumshe Potter. And some kids, they, they just love it. They read it again and again and again. And I could give you a beautiful island in the Bahamas if you want. And I'll call it Eden. <laughs> but this is not a physical concept. This is a spiritual concept. This is such a beautiful gift. That what we know in this world cannot compare at all to those gifts that are there. And therefore, the only way you can appreciate that gift is that all sense of believing that the physical world is primary and there's a mystical term for that's called the zoyama, the taint that happened to first man and woman when they ate from the forbidden tree and that is that taint that existed in mankind has to be purified and removed and how, how long did that taint last? Well it for sure lasted through history until Avram and this is why we have to start 
and say we start with Ganus and we end with Sheva. What is the Ganus? Is that mankind was not capable of appreciating these tremendous spiritual gifts that Hashem had, that he wanted to give. But you can't give such a spiritually precious gift to someone who doesn't know how to appreciate it and will not appreciate it. And the only way you can appreciate it is by distancing your focus on mundane physical things as the goal of life. Certainly we live in a physical world. We're meant to enjoy the physical world, meaning to say to enjoy Hashem via experiencing the physical world. But if it's an entity unto itself, that's the Zoyama, and there's nothing that Hashem can do for us. And therefore, how can Hashem give us Eretz Yisrael? How can Hashem give us a Torah? How can we get into El Mahabha if we're so connected and rooted to our physicalness, we can't appreciate the spirituality of it all. And we see, for example, even a small sin, let's say the, tr the brothers who sold their brother. After all, they didn't even kill him. But you see how much of damage it did. The damage of first man's sin. And therefore, we need what's called, as, as Egypt was called, the Kur Habarzel, the smelting pot. That unfortunately, the best way, or not the, let me reframe that. One of the ways in which you can smelt the impurities out of your body is by suffering. Now, there's different types of suffering. Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov, they accomplished the suffering by living in the land of Israel, but realizing we're not the owners. And to not have the arrogance to think we're the owners of the land, even though we've been promised it. That's one way. A tremendous amount of humility. But if, on the other hand, we, we don't focus on our um, physical um, a primary focus and we sin through it, then that Zoma gets stronger and it needs a much more difficult and more efficient cleansing. So it has to come with more of a physical suffering. For a person to realize that the physical body cannot be the ultimate reality. Now, that's, that's not the first way it was. We know that by Hashem said you're going to be strangers in a land that doesn't belong to you for 400 years. But we only were there for 210. The answer is, well, 190 were Av Avram and Yitzchak acting as if they were strangers in their own land and they weren't suffering per se. Now, people with egos would say, wait a minute, it's my land. Why am I letting other people squat on it? But that's not real suffering unless you're totally a physical person. But eventually, because of the sins that they did, they have to, would have to, if you want this gift, you are going to have to um, uh, remediate the issues, purify the, the, the incorrect view of reality, of the physical reality being everything, and suffering of the physical body enables a person to go beyond that. And that was the purpose of sending us down to Egypt, to be able to cleanse this. So we already have answered our first question. Why should we thank Hashem for bringing us down to Egypt? If he wouldn't have brought us down to Egypt, we would never have to go out. And the answer is, you're right. Hashem never had to take us down to Egypt. But if he took us, never took us down to Egypt, then how would we ever get the Torah? How would we ever get Eretz Yisrael? 
how would we ever get Olam Haba? So you're right. Hashem could have said, okay, I won't take you down to Egypt. Ah, you sold your brother. You sold your brother before I took you down to Egypt. What kind of, what kind of derech eretz emetzal kind is that? You're suspicious of your brother. You take the law in your own hands. You go sell him down to Egypt. What kind of sinas chinam was there? How can I give a Torah to people who have sinas chinam with each other? Yes, they were better than the goyim. But being better than a goy doesn't mean you get Eretz Yisrael. You got to be a holy people. The patriarchs were holy people and therefore they could live with much less brutal suffering. They live with the fact that they're not considered the owners of the land. Okay. And they put up with Mishigas of the Goyim. But they weren't enslaved. But when the brothers decided to show so much hatred to one brother, look, look, look at the taint. You can't just stay in here. It's a straw. It's going gonna, it's gonna to spin out of control. So because Hashem, you know, it's almost like, let's say the doctor sees that your bone structure is about to collapse on you. <laughs> okay, I'm not an expert doctor, but I, you're going to get the idea of what I'm saying. You've got all kinds of internal problems. And very soon, you know, you could start walking the street and you're just going to collapse in the middle of the street and get run over by a car. So Rock says, I got to break your foot so that it now will heal in a way that will strengthen your foot. I'm not a doctor, but you understand what I'm saying. The doctor said, you know, for your own good, your foot is in such terrible shape. If I don't break the foot and recast it, let's say a previous doctor did a bad job. Let's say the kid fell once. There's cancer in the bone. Or there's cancer in the bone. Cancer in the bone. I can do nothing. Or, but if I break the bone and get out the cancer, and you sit in a cast for six months, they'll be able to walk, and the cancer will be gone. Now you would thank him, wouldn't you? So that's what, exactly what happened with the Kaddish Baruch Hu over here. How is the uh, selling of the brothers showing Zona? Because why? Because jealousy and hatred comes from from where? It doesn't from from a per- beautiful person. If you, the Zoyama is focusing on the physical more than the spiritual. What were they so upset about? If you really were upset, why didn't you speak to Yaakov about it? You feel you just kill him like that? And the Torah says they were jealous of him. The Torah said they hated him, not his actions. They said they couldn't even talk to him. They could have had every religious excuse in the book, but the Torah, which we remember, People who are at a very high level, only if even you're off a little bit, you already shows, and it only will get worse if things don't get repaired. So now it was here was the issue. Should the Jews never get the Holy Land, never get the Torah, never get Ilamaba like the rest of the world? Or should they? Well, Hashem loves the Jews so much, he already made a covenant with Avram and said, Listen, I want to give all the good stuff to your children. I'm going to give them the land of Israel. I'm going to give them the Torah. I'm going to give them Olam Abba. This is all. God loved Avram and he loved, loved his children. So what does Avram say? Avram says, How do I know that I'll inherit it? Which of course is, everyone asks, how can Avram ask God, how do, I don't believe you. And then what does God say? Oh, you're going to know. Look, they're going to go through suffering. For you, what kind of answer is that? 
And Hashem shows him more suffering. He hints to the four exiles as well, besides the 400 years. So what does that have to do with anything? And the answer is that's exactly the point. When Avram asks, Bama Edai, what, what Hashem said, you're getting Eretz Yisrael. Avram understands. He's smart enough. No, Eretz Yisrael does not come cheap. Eretz Yisrael has to come with suffering. So now he says, Bama Eda. Now the word Eda, if you look in Sefer Shoftim, can mean suffering. As, 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 as there's many proofs to it. I don't have time to get into it. And that was Avram's question. Bama Eda, with what kind of suffering will, I, will the Jewish people get the land of Israel? Because I know there's got to be suffering. Hashem I'll tell you exactly what the suffering is going to be. They're going to be in a strange land for 400 years where they're going to be put into servitude. Or there's another meaning in Eda. Eda is an expression of chashivus, of importance and of an increase. As the Targum tells us in, in uh, various psukim. So he's saying, you're telling me this, how do I know I will be so great? How do I know that that people will get to be so much? And Hashem says, well, to get that greatness, you're going to have to suffer first. And that's what Yeshua is telling the people. Yeshua's going to leave. The people have fought 14 years to conquer them. Now they're going to actually live in the land. And what does Yeshua want to impress upon them? This great gift. This great gift of Eretz Yisrael. The Kedushas Eretz Yisrael. And you have to know how much uh, purity must exist in the people who live in the land of Israel, which is so transcendental. You got to realize what it means to live in this land. And therefore you have to realize because our fathers were idol worshippers, Therefore, they needed a tremendous amount of purification from that Zoyama. And therefore, how did that happen? And this is exactly the story that Yeshua tells them. This deeper message that's answering the original question, why does Hashem, why do we thank Hashem for bringing us into Egypt? He shouldn't have brought us there to take us out. He shouldn't have brought us there to give. The answer is because that's part of the overall plan. If he wants to give us these gifts, this is what it's going to take. That's not said anywhere in the Torah explicitly at all. Yeshua says it very clearly. He says like this. He says, well, let's take a look at what happens. Let's go back. And he says, he says, Arami Not And they worshiped other gods. And because of that, we have a major taint. And then I took your father Avram and I crossed him from the other side of the uh, of the uh, Nahar Pras to the land of Canaan and I multiplied his children. And why did he do that? Because that's going to be the beginning of the removal of the taint. Okay, so to remove that, okay, so he says, I'm going to now give the land to Yitzchak that from Yitzchak will come a pure, pure spiritual drop that will create a tremendous person. But that's not enough. But there's still a little taint even in Yitzchak. 
And therefore, Yitzhak will have two children, Yaakov and Esav. Why two? So that Esav, any little bit of impurity that's still left in Yitzhak's DNA will go straight to Esav and not to Yaakov. And therefore, what is Esav going to get? Harseir. He's going to go to Mount Seir. He's not going to get Eretz Yisrael. And that's a place of Tumah. So a man of Tumah goes to the place of Tumah. But <coughs> Yaakov and his children, who are already beginning to take off a lot of that Zoyama, they're going to go to Mitzrayim to purify it even more so that they're worthy of the virtues of Eretz Yisrael. Which really answers another question. Seems like Esau has a good break. Esau gets to go to where he has Sayer and he never has any troubles. And Yaakov goes, that's all the troubles. The answer is, it's because Yaakov is going to suffer to get the gifts. Well, Esau doesn't suffer. He's not going to get everything. Now, the Jews, now he's saying, now you got to make a decision. Do you want to go after idols with the taint? Or do you want to work hard to deserve Eretz Yisrael? Which means there's a certain degree of suffering. Even in Eretz Yisrael, there's a certain degree of suffering. What's the suffering? You have to trust Hashem. You have to wait for rain. You have to follow all the halachas. Chuma, meiser, this and that. You have no control of your life. Isn't it a lot easier to go to the idols? The idols will help you out. So they said, no, 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 no. We're going to serve Hashem. But the wording which they said, they said, we're going to serve Hashem because he's been so kind to us. To which Yeshua says, if you're going to serve Hashem only because he's kind to you, that ain't going to work. Because guess what? When you make mistakes, Hashem's going to punish you. He's going to have to purify you. You won't be able to take that. Oh, I thought it's only because Hashem's nice to me. Because remember, they've only seen the nice part. They weren't in Egypt. The ones he's speaking to now, very few were in Egypt. Already going 64 years after they left Egypt. How many people were still alive? What are they used to? Manna, beautiful things. Knocking out your enemies like crazy. Oh, this is great. This is great. You should have said, no, no. The land is all. Look, look at history. Look what it took to get you guys here. Look what your ancestors had to suffer. You don't think you're not going to suffer? But it's a good suffering because that's going to get you these great gifts over there. Then they said, okay, we'll do this. And that's what the Magid is telling us. That that going down to Egypt was the greatest thing that could happen because from that we can get the three gifts. And that's what they meet. That's why we have to start with Ganus to know why Hashem had to do everything he did because we started from so far away, so unworthy for the gifts, and this is what it's going to take to get the gifts? And the proof is specifically from Yehoshua, not from anywhere else. And then, one second, is there any more questions over here? I think there's one more question. Uh, we dealt with that, we dealt with that. Oh, so he said, why doesn't he bring a proof? There's another question. Why didn't he bring a proof that now Hashem has brought a, us close to him? Where's the proof to that? The answer is, you don't need a proof anymore. Now that you see what why Hashem has done everything, the whole purpose was to get close to him. You don't need a proof to that anymore. The fact that we understand why we had to go to Egypt, that whole point of the suffering was to be close to Hashem. And that clarifies the goodness that the Golos itself was a goodness. And that automatically will bring us to Eretz Yisrael. But we have to make that decision. And this will flow beautifully into the next couple paragraphs over here.
because this is something that continues until today. You think we got Eretz Yisrael finished? It's been a struggle. We lost Eretz Yisrael, didn't we? So don't we still want these three gifts? Do you want the gift of Torah? Do you want the gift of Eretz Yisrael? Do you want the gift of Olam Haba? So guess what? You have to go through your own Egypt experience. And that's what we're going to see tomorrow. In every generation, they want to destroy us. It continues this story. And therefore, we can appreciate the kindness. We have to thank Hashem, not just for taking us out of Egypt. we got to thank Hashem even more than He sent us to Egypt. Because now we can get the gifts that come. Anything in life, Rabbi say, anything in life. You want something good in life that's really good, that's really spiritual, it is not, it cannot come easy. You have to be in tune to appreciate what that is. And there's a certain degree of suffering. It doesn't have to happen with the lash and the sting of a whip. You the suffering of what? Learning hours on end Torah. When you're tired to keep learning. To give tzedakah when you feel it's hard. That's all suffering, but that's good suffering. And that can get us to the place we want to be at. Yashar Koyach.